Today, I am delighted to share with you an interview I did with um, Claire McKay, a clinical pharmacist. Claire is a specialist in women's health, particularly menopause and HRT. Um, so I thought you'd be ideal to bring on to talk through menopause, the implications of menopause, how HRT helps in menopause, and all the other considerations that go with, you know, women going through that stage of life, which can be pretty traumatic and and you know, can have a massive impact physically and mentally on a lot of women. Claire has also launched a brand new book, which all the proceeds go to charity. And she's also a mum and a keen cook. And is also she also lives a very healthy and active lifestyle herself. So I thought she'd be ideal to bring on um, on a, an interview. And I'm delighted now to be able to put this in podcast so people can listen back. So sit back, relax and enjoy my interview with Claire McKay. What could I say, Claire? You, you, the reason I'd be on here, number one, because you're nourished with style. So you have styles in your name, like your, your food stylish. You're stylish, your home's stylish, but but the reason we have you on here tonight is for two 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 things I want you to talk about is number one, um, I know you're really passionate, I know we have a really shared interest in nutrition and, and home cooking, and uh, you've you've done an amazing book. I want you to talk about your book and where that interest comes from with nutrition, and then on the other side, your day job then. You are a clinical pharmacist and I know you're super passionate about um, you work with a lot of menopausal women, which is right. It just ticks every box for my followers and I just can't wait. I've been looking for it. How long have we been trying to get this there? It's a long time, yes. I know, I know. So we've managed to get ourselves together and organise it last. But look, I'll let you take it away and introduce yourself. Sarah, um, well, I'm Claire McKay, I'm a clinical pharmacist, so I have... I'm not a dispensing pharmacist in that I don't work in community shop. I have worked in hospital for 13, 14 years, and then I moved to DC practice um, to work alongside my husband, who some of you may know. Don't hate me for it. But um, <laughs> we'd have certain areas that I would specialize in. I'm a prescriber, so I would um, look after people with diabetes, with hypertension, osteoporosis and then menopause and those would be two of my kind of favorite go-to subjects so I would have a lot of ladies that I talk through that very difficult time in their life when quite often they need to talk to someone and usually the people that they need to talk to are people that understand what they're going through quite often family members and friends don't unless they're going through it themselves yeah, yeah. And, and I know for me, um, the more reassurance and compassion you give your clients when they are going through those, especially, the, you know, for perimenopausal and then into full-blown menopause, it can have so much impact on your physical being, but also on your mental well-being as well. And, you know, I think it's important to hear from your perspective, from a medical and clinical perspective, what happens, you know, what's normal, because... When you get to my age, you think, you think, am I the only person feeling this? Am I the only person going through this? Um, and for me, it's about looking at the holistic and lifestyle side of helping menopause women and the huge changes that go on, even with the fat distribution. We talked about this earlier. You know, even if you never put a pound a pound, your whole body should, your fat distribution changes on your body from a more female orientated pattern to a more male orientated pattern. And you think, there's something wrong with you and that you're unique but I, w- I would love it if you could explain just what, what actually happens Claire oh and everybody talks about the menopause and you 
oh yes, I've hit my 50s, wham, bam, it just hits like that. It doesn't. I'm 42 and a half, <laughs> I'm using half, but um, I can feel the changes already, definitely. Once you hit your 40s, I think most ladies um, will start to feel changes as your estrogen levels just naturally start growing. And your ovaries aren't just producing such a regular supply of estrogen as they have done right throughout your 20s and 30s. And you notice that um, that drop in estrogen in a range of different ways. And it can be, I always say to ladies, never underestimate the power of hormones because no matter what, what symptoms you have, quite we can attribute those to menopause. Um, and so for perimenopause, you're starting to get those mood changes. You're starting to maybe get a little bit of, you know, night flushes, especially if you notice them around the time just before your periods. Um, you maybe start to notice night then as those levels decline even further. And it's those changes, those low estrogen levels, and indeed the fluctuations that are really causing the symptoms. And the symptoms, okay, we all know about the vasomotor ones, which are the flushing, the hot flushes, the sweats, all that sort of thing. But the mood, irritability, a complete change in personality for some of my patients, you know, they have turned into somebody they recognize. And then just even dry eyes, dry mucous membranes, you have sexual dysfunction, you know, it's all these embarrassing things you don't want to talk about. But, you know, your libido drops, you've maybe got vaginal dryness, a lot of different things can be attributed to that. And now there is that information going out there and with celebrities talking about it more and more, you do have that um, bit of re-encouragement. But I think it's just important for the likes of yourself, you have so many female clients in that, in that mm -hmm. age group. Yeah, and, and Claire, I know, um, you're you're a very health conscious person yourself and uh, and there's two ways to look at this for me it's about my clients because I'm not a medical professional um, I come from a nutrition background and a fitness background it's, it's about helping women get control of their lifestyle especially their diet and helping you know especially the hormones like estrogen you know testosterone through diet and nutrition helping them that way from your perspective you know let's look at both holistic and, and lifestyle choices and medical options as well and give us some um give us your thoughts on those i suppose that is the thing come your perimenopausal kind of period of your life coming into your 40s now is the absolute time to do all the things that you're championing all the time so eating healthily eating nutritious cutting down that sugar as you as your estrogen levels drop so does your insulin resistance. So your body isn't able to deal with sugars quite as quite as well. They store that as fat. Double to that, your body is trying to be sneaky. It's trying to hold on to estrogen and it does that by storing it in fat cells, particularly around the middle. So everybody talks about middle-aged spread. That's, you know, it's hormone-driven. It's not that you've all of a sudden become lazier or your diet has gone to pot, but looking after your diet, watching your carb intake. Carbs are our friends. We need them for energy, especially if we're going to work. But, you know, they have a, a role, but limit the amount that you're taking, all these sort of things that you're saying. 
look at your nutrition, look at your amount of protein that you're taking in, your, all your nutritional things, fill up your plate with veg and fruit and things like that and some protein, and you will find that it will be much easier to maintain your weight during that time. And then you have, let's start to introduce movement, okay? Everybody talks about increasing aches and pains as they get older. And think of estrogen as like a lubricant, like a WD-40 for the joints. And as the estrogen levels drop, you are going to be more and more prone to aches and pains. And that's why I was never a great exerciser, the hands up. But I've got into it in the last couple of years because it is so important to keep the joints moving and mobile. And that will, you know, pay root benefits in the long run. And um, also to think about yoga, Pilates, those sort of gentle, um, mindful exercises, because you have to also bring in the mental side of the menopause. You are going to struggle. You're going to feel increased anxiety, um, increased depression, perhaps, all those sort of things. And through using exercise and movement, you can maybe not get rid of all these things, but you can certainly um, help to temper the effects of them, very much so. And then as estrogen levels drop, again, we have falling levels of muscle mass. And, you know, so their exercise is coming in in that way. The more we can stabilize our body, increase our muscle mass, we will increase our metabolism. I'm talking to the converted here, you know all this. I, I know, I, 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 like it is, it is so tough. You can't overestimate to people how tough it is. You know, the body you had in your 20s, even in your 30s, you're just having to work twice as hard in your 40s and 50s. And I think, you know, you can't like I even you're talk there about your your joints. I just noticed my it's not that I'm getting weaker, but my recovery's taking longer. Um, whenever I'm training, I'm still training, but my my recovery's tougher. You know, it comes to a Friday and a Saturday, and you feel like you've been through the bars. <laughs> but where's your advice? You know, in your twenty thirties, you've been way out the weekend, not a bother at all. But it's just the recovery, definitely. You know, as it gets tougher as you get older. From a medical point of view, you know, you're going, you're starting to have to think about osteoporosis and the more you can build muscle mass, you're protecting yourself against muscle mass and weight bearing exercise. That's what I tell all the ladies, you know, to help prevent osteoporosis, weight bearing exercises. So that's running, jogging, walking, getting your steps in, anything like that, where you're creating kind of a thud on the ground that actually states the bones to increase the reproduction and strengthening those bones because, you know, as part of my job, I see a lot of very sad osteoporosis and it is a horrible disease. And so that is another thing. That's why you need to exercise and keep movement going, strengthening your core for your balance and your stability as you get older. You know, I say you've got one body and you have to invest in it at this stage. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. We're on the same hemisphere with that one. And, you know, it's really tough for ladies, number one, if they're sleep deprived. And this is usually one of the key issues that most of my clients have with the menopause or sleep deprived. Their mood becomes lower and they're less likely and less inclined, I suppose, towards healthy behaviours around food as well. You know, and when you're lacking in sleep, your hormone fluctuations 
are going crazy. You crave more sort of sugary foods and high fat foods. You know, you're less likely to stand and prepare a meal. It'll be something quick. So there's so many, there's a whole lot of changes going on there. Um, that, but you can, you know, I know, and I have clients that well who are slap bang in the middle of the menopause and really struggling. And simple, simple, just taking the first step. You don't have to take quantum leaps, the first step just to get there. But Claire, tell me, in terms of, of the medical route, I have lots of clients in HRT and I know lots, there's lots of scaremongering around HRT and is HRT right for me? I have clients who are absolutely thriving on HRT, thriving. Tell us about it. Let's quash the myths on HRT. Tell us about HRT and how it can benefit us in menopause. Well, um, I did HRT clinics 20 years ago. God, I'm showing my age. But <laughs> when um, the Million Women study came out, and it was the one that really put the cat among the pigeons, um, but it was a study that was slightly flawed and it looked at a lot of older, overweight um, subjects. And I think that's why it came out 20 years ago and it's it identified the higher risk of breast cancer with HRT. And from then on, everybody was afraid. A lot of GPs were afraid to touch it. But subsequent studies then have shown that the flaw, the, the, the basically ironed out the flaws in that particular study and have shown that the what that the high risk that they presumed HRT caused actually isn't nearly as high as they first thought. So if you think about um, the standard population, you can expect women aged 50 and 59 who you can expect 23 cases of breast cancer women. Okay, so get that number in your. So, in the normal population, regardless of any of that, you're going to have 23 cases of um, breast cancer per thousand women. Now, on contraceptive pill, there's an extra four. For every lady that's on the contraceptive pill, you're talking about an extra four cases per thousand women. And it's exactly the same with HRT an extra four cases of breast cancer for thousand women over a year's period okay now let's compare that with smoke if you're smoking you're increasing the risk by an extra three people per year if you take alcohol i think that's an extra five cases per year if you are um overweight then it's an 23 cases per year. So that puts it into context. Yes, HR, if you are on bind HRT, so that's a combined estrogen, that increases your risk, but only by four cases per thousand women. Whereas being overweight increases your risk by, I think it's actually 24 cases per women. Yeah. But Gary, or being overweight, or being on HRT, being overweight, really putting your risk of breast cancer up much, much higher than being on HRT. Okay. okay. The incidence will increase the length of time that you're on it. So when my ladies reach about 55, I'll phone them up. They hate me phoning. I'll phone them up and go, I need to consider this. And at that stage, you have to look at the risk benefit ratio, okay? 
Is your life without HRT so poor that you need to stay on it? Or has it down and you can start to ease off it? And I would always do that on a very individual basis. I would never have a sweeping statement where come 55, you must come off. Because over the age of 55, then the risks are really starting to creep up. But still not as much as, say, being obese or extra alcohol per week. You know, at more than two units of alcohol per day, sorry, increases your risk of breast cancer by about five cases. Let me see, I think, yeah, an extra five per thousand women. So that's actually more than being on HRT. Yes. That's, that's insane when you put it into perspective like that, Claire, you know, and it's great to hear that later in actual facts and numbers for people because, you know, like I did a video today, I put a post a video today on social media about alcohol and what is normal, what is healthy alcohol consumption and it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. You know, there's nobody loves a glass of wine more than I do or a glass of Prosecco, so I'm not going to sit on the high moral ground in this one, but I'm also very mindful of how bad it is for your health, you know. On one hand, you're exercising and you're training and you're eating well. And then the other hand, you're thinking, right, okay, here's what 14 units a week looks like. And I put one up today and, you know, I think the pandemic's really fueled that. And people are, there's so many different other factors apart from HRT, you know, like the lifestyle, your base, your, your, your health, your BMI, your, your lifestyle, your choices around food, your choices around alcohol, your movement choices. You know, it's... Compared to HRT, it's the same. And so that, that's a broad answer. Um, if you have had a hysterectomy and you're on Eastly therapy, actually, that is slightly protective effects, they almost. So, you know, hysterectomy and having to go on estrogen, you can stay on it pretty much as long as you need to because it um, reduces your risk of having breast cancer by three to four um, ladies per thousand women, if you know what I mean. So it brings 23 to about 19. And if you're doing this, you'll love this, but if you're doing two and a half hours of moderate exercise per week, you reduce your off breast cancer by seven cases. So you like are right down to about 17 per thousand women versus 16 or 17 per thousand women versus your standard population of 23 women per, per thousand getting breast cancer. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. I love, I love numbers. I love facts. And I think, you know, um, you, you just, it's black and white. It speaks for itself. And even the report that came out last year, the year before, saying that you're a greater chance of getting cancer from being sedentary than smoking, you know, I, 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 that just blew my mind when that report came out was it a year or two ago um it's 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 crazy it's absolutely crazy but claire let's let's move on about uh let's talk about you i want to hear about you and i want to talk much to talk tell us about your book tell us about your blog is stunning nourished with style your book is amazing we were sitting tonight myself and olivia i have a i have a, a um my daughter my youngest daughter so everybody i know claire because Claire's children, my children go to the same school and Donald Moore here in County Tyrone. So that's how we know each other. But we were sitting looking at your cookbook tonight and Olivia, she was um, thumbnailing all the different books and all the different things that she wants to make. And, um, but absolutely gorgeous. And I love the fact that you have cooked 
all the recipes. It must have taken you ages. How long did it take you? Tell us a bit about your book. Oh, I didn't. Well, it did take eight, but I did it in normal everyday life. So I would, I, I first of all just thought, right, everybody keeps asking for recipes. I'll stick them down. Oh God, nobody can read my handwriting. I'll type them. Oh Jesus, I'm typing them anyway. I may as well do a wee book for the girls to have when my two children, when they're older. And then I thought if I'm going that far, and we'll do it for charity for those, for, and it's for UNICEF, for those children that don't, aren't nourished. And that's the whole Um So it is healthy, but you wouldn't think it's healthy kind of food. No. And that's, that's to me, the absolute crux of it. You want children, if you want um, friends and family to eat it, tasty. But with an emphasis on let's put good food, uh, good ingredients in there, lots of vegetables and uh, lentils and pulses and things like that. And let's get people cooking and, and let's, you know, show people step by step. Um, I have a couple of friends who would be frightened to walk into the kitchen unless they were going to make themselves a cup of tea. And, you know, I had them like, okay, break this down into baby steps. And that's what I try to do. And none of it's scary. All of it is stuff that you would eat or you could cook most days of the week. And, you know, when I'm, you know yourself, you don't have an awful lot of time to stand in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, it's very important to me that you can have something on the table within half an hour, some of them, 45 minutes most of them, really. And Claire, would you get the girls involved in cooking? Do they enjoy cooking as well? And if they chop peppers or if they chop mushrooms or they do that, they'll be more proud of their dinner and they'll be like, you know, I made that tonight. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're more, there's more chance of them eating, eating it as well and encouraging everybody else in the house to eat it, shaming them into eating it. You know, they have their favourites and this is the cookbook of our family, our home, on a regular basis. We're now getting a bit bored of it, so I'm starting to have to create recipes. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I would encourage anybody who doesn't know or thinks they don't have time to cook to have a look because actually, you know, really not as complex as it first seems. I, I know, and like I, I've done loads of recipe books myself and I know Claire how long these take. Like we're doing one at the minute. We're launching a new programme in January. It takes hours and hours and hours and you're trying to create recipes that you think people, you have, you know, your basic store cover ingredients like pasta and you know, basic herbs, spices of people who don't grow their own herbs that can dry back get dried herbs and it just takes so much time. But once you have the bog standard, there's like a basic fundamental amount of herbs and spices really that you need and that really add taste and, and, and a bit of punch to your cooking. And once you've invested in those, and they wouldn't be any more than maybe five or ten quid, you know, once you've got those in your cupboard, you're flying because you keep, you know, for me, it's cumin, it's coriander, it's, you know, it's chili, it's, you know, garlic, things like that. And you can buy dried versions and you can buy versions in jars. Ginger, you know, you can buy ginger in a squeezy tube now if you don't want to buy fresh ginger. You know, it's so simple, so easy to make. And it just, it just takes, your, it takes the taste to a different level, but just adds a whole layer of nutrition as well. Like, talk about that, you know, what I would have 
cupboard, what I would have in my freezer, and yeah. what my fridge. And with those few basic ingredients, it's amazing how many different meals you can get out of them. And as you say, like it's cheaper. You know, people are buying fast food or they're going out to restaurants time and time again. What's the bloody bomb, you know, whereas you can cook and produce something really nice in the comfort of your own home very easily and very, very cheaply. Like I, I, and I see stuff in the menu and I go, oh my God, how can they charge? No, no, it's, it's fucking, I, I hear you. I, I, I'm the same, you know, we, I look at things and go, oh my God, and you sound, I start to sound like my, my mother. You know, the price that my god i could make that for like five or for the six of us but um yes that that's the only thing of the risk of ruining your husband as i have and then <laughs> go oh, you get nice food at home <laughs> i know i know claire um tell us a bit about your book so where can we where can our, our viewers here get it we're going to have this on podcast as well so we'll, we'll link it i'll link it later on in the story but tell everybody where they can go tonight it'd be a perfect christmas present for anybody even absolute newbies that can't cook, won't cook. It's gorgeous. It's so well illustrated. Your pictures are beautiful. You've got the kids in there. You know, the colours are lovely. It's so simple. As you say, it's just, you know, it's foolproof, Claire. It really is. And, you know, all the photos were taken while the rest of them were sitting waiting for dinner. <laughs> That's not what your food should look like. But um, it's available on Amazon. There's a few other places around the province that are selling them. Neptune and Belfast and Malone and Smith then out from Anna Direction. And we have the lovely Adele's Apothecary there in the Linen Green. And um, the bottom drawer are selling them. And there's some in Sheehy's in Cookstown. And I've probably forgotten someone I'm going to be. And who else? Turkington's in Cookstown. But you can also get it on Amazon if you want to. Brilliant. And I will put a link up here for you. How much is the book, Claire? Eighteen pounds. And the vast majority of that goes to keeping anything out of it. The only cost that's come out of it is the cost of actually it and printing it. Yeah. Yeah. There's about thirteen pounds of that is going directly to you, Beth. Children's traffic. Well, absolutely brilliant. And look, anybody watching this who has a business and who wants to take Claire's books and start selling them or, you know, where you're at now, Nourishville style, the, the very stylish Claire McKay. Claire, thank you so much for joining us. And you are fantastic. Not a bother. You're bloody natural. You're going to have to do some cookery demonstrations for us now, live on your page. Yeah. <laughs> please do. Please do. I'm not very good with cameras. <laughs> Just forget the cameras. Pretend it's not there. Just do do your thing and you know that's that's all we need look claire thank you so much i'll let you go thanks a million and everybody perfect christmas present nourish as nourish with taste is the name of your book but nourish with style go, go over and follow claire on instagram if you're not following her her page is stunning absolutely gorgeous claire thank you